welcome to the Jazz and Gas Show. We're talking people and technology as we do every fortnight. My name's David Gazzarotto, and co-hosting today in place of Jared Cameron is the CEO of Australia's leading digital learning consultancy, Pure Learning. Welcome, big welcome to Matt Smith. G'day David, how are you going? Good mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks for having me on. I've got uh, some pretty big shoes to fill. Mate, you're a more than adequate replacement. I've been saying <laughs> Jared's a passenger for quite some time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so mate, you're uh, beaming in from uh, sunny Ballarat in Victoria today. Mm, it is the one sunny day of the year in Ballarat, so uh, I'm cooped up inside talking to a microphone. It's great. Mm, fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, lots to discuss as always, and uh, I expect that we'll be able to take advantage of your expertise and passion in the, the learning space to, mm-hmm. to really explore some of that today. Uh, but I guess to help the listeners to get a handle on, uh, on you, um, why don't you start by giving us a bit of the elevator pitch on, on what Pure Learning is all about? Yeah, sure. So Pure Learning, at our, at our heart, we're a learning company. We're an instructional design company. We created the company to really fill a gap in the market uh, when it came to digital learning. There is a lot of e-learning out there. Most companies utilise some form of e-learning or digital learning in some way. Um, but in general, the, the quality is um, pretty poor, both in terms of how effective it is, but also as well uh, how engaging it is from a, from a learner perspective. Um, so our, our focus is, is, number one, to make sure that we are uh, achieving all the, the learning outcomes. We have a very strong focus on instructional design. But then also tr- treating our projects like their movies or songs or we're looking at trying to bring in as much creativity uh, and passion into every piece of work we do so we're not creating the same old boring click next click next type Mm. of e-learning that most people have to suffer through yeah i'm pretty sure there's uh, a fair proportion of listeners here who've had to suffer through those excruciating particularly those compliance learning uh absolutely pieces so uh, you're on a, a bit of a mission to rid the world of that sort of stuff, as I gather. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is uh, that is my dream, a world without boring, <laughs> terrible e-learning. Yeah, yes. So uh, what was the sliding doors that got you into this fabulous digital learning space? Yeah, I haven't had a, a traditional background in learning. I guess my background is, is mainly in management, and I've worked in a huge number of uh, different industries, but um, originally worked in kind of freight and logistics in, in as an operations manager and worked in sales and warehousing and customer service, worked in call centres and, uh, and face-to-face sales for, for quite some time, worked for telcos. Um, but all, all those jobs, I guess the, the main theme that came across was, was a heavy emphasis on uh, coaching, on developing people, mm. on managing people. Um, and then eventually from that, I went into to training, being a face-to-face trainer, designing training courses, uh, and then moving into consulting and, and doing a lot of instructional design. Mm. Uh, and, and then naturally from there, getting an interest in, uh, in e-learning uh, and digital learning. You know, a bit of a geek, uh, like technology, <laughs> but also too, love the, the creative aspect of it as well, the, the graphic design, the, um, you know, the, the storytelling, the, the writing side of it as well, and the user experience side is all really fascinating to me as well. So so yeah. uh, over the years, you know, got more and more involved uh, in that and uh, ended up, uh, you know, becoming a real big passion of mine. Mm. Great. Well, you're very at home here amongst the geeks here on our podcast. So, um, you know, you should feel some comfort there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear your background. Uh, you've, you've kind of, you've come from doing stuff, right? And then mm. uh, turned, turning that perspective into how do I help 
individuals and organisations to you know get better at doing stuff. Um, and it's uh, I think that's a really good perspective to have. You know, you haven't come through an academic kind of route to get to you know applying learning to the problems that are in organisations today. Which is, yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, you know, training in organisations it's it's there because we're trying to solve a business problem. We're mm. trying to improve the business in some way or um, fix something that that isn't working. Um, so it really does. It needs to be practical. It needs to be really focused on performance. And um, you know, that's that's the main problem with the really boring uh, training mm. in general. The, the boring e-learning is it's just not actually focused on the practical skill or performance that you actually need to do on the job. It's more about just kind of pushing out information and, and, and hoping that the person uh, looking at it memorises it, which is completely the wrong focus. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, uh, I think uh, you've just picked up on a, on a word there around performance that I wanted to, to take a bit of time to explore today because we are in the midst of the greatest, you know, single sporting event that goes on uh, every four years at the moment, uh, the the Olympics in Rio. We're in week two now of the Olympics, and I think uh, you know very well. My, um, I'm an absolute sports nut, so I will take any opportunity there is to try and uh, use a sports analogy <laughs> to help yep. convey a message. Um, yep. You, on the other hand, are not so much a, a passionate sports fan as I, <laughs> as I know. Yep. <laughs> but uh, surely you uh, you haven't been able to escape some sort of exposure to what's been going on in Rio over the last couple of couple of weeks? Yeah, d- definitely not. Um, I guess my exposure is more around uh, memes I'm seeing on social media versus yeah. sitting down and, and watching it like yourself. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's impossible to escape the Olympics fever. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, um, for me, uh, really comes to the fore when you look at uh, a peak performance environment like the Olympics, it's really about, you know, humans being able to achieve their potential um, under high pressure on a big stage, you know, and they've trained and developed for, uh, for, for the sort of preceding years to this to bring it all together in, you know, for someone like Usain Bolt, it's a 10-second or what is it, a 9.6-second burst down a straight. Um, and it's, uh, for me, it's the ultimate, uh, it, you know, representation of what peak performance should be and uh, I wrote a blog late last year just trying to connect the more of a team sports analogy around how could organizations leverage some of this this type of thinking that goes on in high performance in sports organizations um, and look at how they can apply that to the the, the context of, of their own business um, and how they develop people and such. So I'm interested to explore some of that with you today, because I know, you know, obviously it's a world that you're very um, passionate about. But if you look at that kind of model of saying, well, how do we identify talent? How do we uh, assess what where their capabilities are and look at what sort of interventions we can bring to coach them and to, I guess, train them to, to get better and achieve um, their potential? Um, you know, what are some of the, the, the things that strike you in, in that kind of, uh, you know, analogy, I guess? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wish organisations uh, and learning development uh, departments would look at training the same way that we think of training in terms of sports and mm. the Olympics. When we talk about training when it comes to sports, it's it's very practical. It's, you're, you're training to improve a performance. Uh, it might be strength and conditioning training. It might be around technique. Mm. Uh, it might be even mental training. But it's all about achieving a goal and getting better. 
Whereas, uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people have a perception around training, uh, workplace training, as it's just about distributing information. Um, yeah. And that's why we see things like getting subject matter experts who are very knowledgeable in the topic that needs to be trained to put them in front of people in a, in a classroom and say, you be the trainer. And they might know a lot about the subject matter, but they might not have the skills around how to actually facilitate um, real training. Yeah. The same thing with creating e-learning, getting a subject matter expert to sit down and, and create e-learning. Uh, they don't know about user experience design or they don't know about um, learning theory. They don't know how to effectively structure the material. Um, so mm, I, I really mm. think um, we, we need to be looking at training the same way that anyone in sports looks at training. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting you say, you know, um, that someone who's great at doing a, a job uh, may not actually be the best person to coach someone else up to uh, peak performance. And I think that's, um, we know a lot of, uh, you know, very superstar athletes or, you know, footballers and the like who are just absolute rubbish coaches when they're given the opportunity. And I think that, that kind of plays fairly similarly, doesn't it? Um, let me double-click a couple of those points you made, Go try and get a little bit deeper. I'm interested in, um, you know, first of all, how do we apply the digital piece, so the, the, the sort of technology underpinning learning and some of those new innovative models. Um, what are some great examples that you've seen of, um, of how we've gone away from that classic click next online learning model to perhaps some some better ways of deploying learning to you know out to learners in organizations mm-hmm. yeah it's it's really about understanding a couple of things so understanding the audience what yeah. motivates them what their desires are uh, what the makeup is of the audience as well um understanding really the um what, what the goal is What's the actual performance that needs to change? Mm. The, the number one thing that, that makes the learning really bad is it's just kind of a scattergun approach of here's, here's all the info about this thing and let's just throw it at people. Yeah. So um, really getting to kind of the, the purpose of it. And, and then it's all about being creative around how you structure it. So you can create really great e-learning with the same tools that are made to create the really bad e-learning. You just have to be really creative <laughs> about it. Yeah. So, you know... People go out at home and they watch really fantastic movies, they play great video games, and there's a lot of creativity and thinking put into those things. We just need to get those skills and actually put them into digital learning as well Mm. Um, and Mm. not just think every bit of e-learning needs to be the same with a bad stock photo, a bunch (laughs) of text, a next button, and then a quiz at the end of you know, the, the material. Yeah. Um, so we do lots lots of different things in, in lots of different ways. Yep. Um, and the real thing is just customising it to the business, the style of the business, the audience, the subject matter. Um, so it really stands out. It really feels like a unique solution as well. Mm-hmm. So when the when the learner picks it up and, and opens it, they look at it and go, oh, this is, this is new. Mm-hmm. Gets their attention. Uh, and then they get into it and it has a real clear sense of purpose and uh, is, is really relevant to their job and they can really feel this is actually going to make me better in some way at my job or make something easier or faster for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, yeah, really interesting to see that that viewpoint. I think it really aligns well with with how people are viewing uh, the, the future of work too, isn't it? You know, we've, we're going to have more and more flexible working models. We're going to have um, higher levels of contingent workers in organisations um, we've got to get better at, you know, really giving them 
the learning they need in context to be able to do the job that they are being brought in to do to orient themselves in the organisation to attach themselves and you know the engagement and cultural piece as well and I think you know um, uh, it's we look at how much digital is encroaching into every aspect of our lives it's got to be the the main mechanism to help us to to make those connections don't you think yeah absolutely definitely what about mobile now i i hear a a lot of different views on mobile and m learning if you like being the um you know the the biggest thing since sliced bread and you know everyone's now going to be able to do all of their learning on their iphone um yep and the world's going to be a better place um yeah is that how you're seeing it uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. For the last couple of years, um, there's been a lot of interest in it. Um, and I've seen some organisations roll it out thinking that if we put things on mobile, then our staff might do it on the train on to wait to work mm-hmm. or at home. Um, so really kind of a sneaky way to save a bit of time, um, hoping that people will do training outside of, of work hours. And um, that hardly ever happens unless it's something that is... Uh, that people are very motivated to do, that is something they're excited about, they, they will do it. Um, and we're seeing a lot of um, people want request to have e-learning that's compatible with mobile and tablet and, um, and desktop. Mm. The, the big danger there is you really do have to take very different design approaches for mobile versus desktop. Yep. With mobile, uh, you've got to consider where are they actually going to be doing it? How are they going to be sitting? What's the environment going to be like? Are they going to get interrupted by people nearby? Are they going to get interrupted by notifications on their phone, or is someone going to call them? So it's it's much more likely that they're going to get uh, they're going to have to put the the learning down and then come back to it. Mm. Um, and then you've also got to consider, you know, just the usability in general. You know, you can't have a lot of text on uh, mobile learning. You can't have small buttons. You need to make it so that it is quite easy to use. And you can do a really fantastic job of it. You need to make it really punchy as well. But what I see is uh, a lot of e-learning that's designed that's basically designed to roll out on, on both platforms without any kind of responsiveness or different design choices. Um, and then you, you end up making a compromise for one of those. So it either looks pretty bad and feels bad on desktop or it just it's an unusable experience on mobile as well. So yeah. I do warn a lot of customers about that. Um, but I'm mobile is, is, is a great way to deploy. We do a lot of video and animation. Mm. That works perfectly on mobile and on desktop, and we are seeing a trend of larger screens come out with uh, with smartphones as well. Mm. Um, so that's a really good way, and, and we do a lot of micro-learning um, with short animations, video. It's a good, quick, punchy, engaging way to distribute information um, out to people. Yeah. Uh, and then, then, of course, with mobile, we're seeing uh, things like augmented reality. Uh, we're seeing creative ways of using performance support in the workplace as well. Mm. And that's the thing that really excites me is, is actually just-in-time uh, information or training. When yeah. someone's actually out doing something, they're able to pick out their phone and, and use it rather than some long formal course that's sent out to them on mobile. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you just touched on something that uh, you and I have explored quite a lot, you know, usually over copious amounts of beer, um, but that whole world of augmented reality and, and how we, we can literally reimagine how, you know, how we bring performance support into every context. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, we've seeing, we're seeing the mainstreaming of, of augmented reality happening in front of us right now with the whole Pokemon Go craze. And, you know, I, I, um, I walk around the streets of North Sydney and uh, there are little pockets of people with their phones 
held up, you know, looking for Pokemon. Um, yep. And I, <laughs> it freaks me out that, that it is as popular as it is. Um, you know, let's uh, tell me a, a little bit about what you think the opportunity is for, for AR and, you know, the context particularly of, of learning and performance support. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Pokemon Go has really put the spotlight on augmented reality. Yeah. Even though Pokemon Go, you know, um, it isn't tr- truly kind of augmented reality. All it's doing is kind of putting a, a Pokemon in front of what you're what you're looking at around you. Yeah. Um, but it, augmented reality is, is really exciting to me because it gives a way of overlaying information on, on top of the real world. Mm. So if you're out working with machinery, for instance, and this is the first time you've done it in six months you know you may need a bit of a refresher yeah and rather than calling the site manager to come and, and help you if you're able to bring up an app and scan a qr code or or hold it up to the machine and it gives you real-time instructions and, and takes you through the process and, and indicates what you need to press and what you need to move and, and how you operate it mm. um that that is really uh exciting to me because then it, it removes a lot of friction that people have where they have to go and Go and get the manual. Go yeah, and get the yeah. book. They have to go and get someone to sit next to them again, um, and it just really empowers um, employees to to be able to learn more, to be able to, you know, pick up things that they haven't used in in quite a while. Mm. So I think that's really exciting about it. There's a lot of applications for it in terms of product training as well. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, from a sales and customer service point of view, being able to just hold something up to a product and, and start seeing some information about it and, and go through it. Um, and also to uh, even demoing to customers and something that maybe you can't pull out of the box and demo in front of them, you can hold up and uh, it, it will start bringing the, the product to life. Yeah, absolutely. I think as with any of these technologies, particularly emerging technologies like this, um, it's it's actually not the technology that's the enabler here. It's the application of it, isn't it? And I know there'll be, there will already be some really crappy application of AR in yep. organisations. Yep. And, and uh, just as, unfortunately, the learning world started with so much, such promise but uh, has continued to be raced to the bottom, really, hasn't it, in terms of the application? Absolutely. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see some really poor applications and wastes of money when it comes to AR and, and VR as well. Yeah. Um, you know, when these things get popular and become a trend, and everyone races to do it and, and be the first and, mm. and have a bright, shiny project that you've spent a lot of time and money on. Um, but the, the real thing that uh, that people and organisations need to understand is, you know. You really are just using that tool to achieve an outcome. Mm. Um, it's not about the tool or the technology. It's about what you actually want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'd be great if all organisations were able to focus that that um, you know uh, that way in all that they do. But we um, get we quite often get distracted by shiny objects, don't we? And we get caught <laughs> up in um, the the excitement and the interest. Uh, I mean, I know. I can't tell you how many HR teams I've been in front of who have shown me this fabulous piece of e-learning that's been created um, and they're just losing their proverbial because things are moving on a screen. (laughs) I can't understand the instructional piece. I don't really get what the thing's trying to do, but they just think it's the the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is is a shame. And then... um from an employee point of view, when they're when they're doing that e-learning, they're looking at it and thinking, 
this is a waste of my time or this is a waste of company money. Uh, I'm struggling with my department's budget and I'm getting all this flashy stuff that doesn't serve a purpose. Um, It it really does create a a disengagement in the workforce. Any type of bad training, um, it really does. And I think we've all been there where, oh, no, I've got to go and do this one-day course and I've got to sit in the room and I'm really bored. And, you know, and then it's like it's like you have a, a day off and you've got to come back and uh, catch up with a day's worth of emails and work as well. Yeah. Um, and that's something that people don't con- consider enough is think about how it actually affects your culture and it affects uh, everyone that, that works for you. If, if they're going through and, and kind of wasting their time doing training and thinking, why, why is my boss spending money on this or mm. why haven't they done a good job of this? Um, it really does affect employee morale. Sure. Absolutely. Very interesting. Well, Matt, I think um, we are fast encroaching on uh, the time we had allocated uh, this afternoon. Um, I think, again, um, we've scratched the surface on some great issues around uh, around performance and, and, and how particularly, you know, how innovation uh, can drive better performance and better capability in organisations. Um, so... Um, Unfortunately, we, uh, we don't have much time left now, so um, I'll just um, appreciate uh, you taking some time out today and, uh, and uh, taking us through some of that, uh, those thoughts. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would be uh, good to do that again uh, at another stage. Yeah, absolutely. Th- thank you once again for having me on. It's been good to talk to you about these things. Yeah, great. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of uh, this week's episode. So thanks very much for spending some time with us and uh, we'll look forward to you joining us again in the not-too-distant future. Thanks. Thanks.